Well, welcome to episode 70 of the Daz and Daz NBA podcast. As we, we're crawling our way up to episode 100, we've found a little bit of time to have a chat again today. And uh, look, not much happening in the NBA because it's Super Bowl week. So, of course, everyone's just talking about the NFL. Uh, oh, wait, hang on. No, Anthony Davis has put in his trade request and no one's talking <laughs> about the NFL and everyone's talking about the NBA. Um, which well, I'll, I'll give you the first take on that. I mean, it was a good point made uh, by Zach Lowe who said, look, the NBA actually are liking this player movement because it puts them in the news all the time and they're probably mm-hmm. not that concerned that the small, another small market team mm-hmm. is losing a player. I mean, how do you sort of look at it from that point of view before we get into the nitty-gritty of, of the Anthony Davis situation? Well, what a question without notice. Jesus, Daz, nice to, <laughs> nice to talk to you tonight. Hello, how are you? Um, so does the NBA care? No, they don't. I, I'm, I would see that they don't, they don't care. Um, they don't care because right. They also have a plausible deniability in that the right through the last CBA, they've done things like the designated player and designated, you know, rookie sort of extensions, which was fully intended for the small market teams in particular to be able to overpay the market to keep their stars. And so that's perhaps why they get a bit of the, they can take the high road and say, we tried. And now that we're sort of going down, let's call it the low road, which is the, you know, Paul George, Kyrie, um, and on and on AD coming here now, um, spurning small markets for the big ones. It's an unintended consequence, right? Of it. So I think with that, if, if they had been, uh, I think, more lax with the CBA and not responding to the needs of the, you know, the 15 franchise owners, uh, you know, react, reactions and needs in this regard, I think they'd be feeling a lot more sheepish about it. So I think they're probably feeling quite, you know, quite buoyed by it, both for the media cycles, both for fan interest and, and so long as, you know, they, they sort of keep, again, the charade around tampering. I see they find Anthony Davis $50,000 for the official was on the record trade request. That's right. Which is a total laugh. So um, that with the, the, the magic Johnson and all the tampering we know occurs and the very out in the open masterminding of things like what, you know, Riley must have done with LeBron back in the day and Rich Paul here is, is architecting again. You know, they're, they're s- selecting a blind eye. So, you know, turning a blind eye or just kind of accepted that within the, the boundaries of agent-player relationships. So it happens when, you know, this is it's not by accident. We knew it. Bill Simmons called it. I actually say Bill Simmons was the first one who called this, that I recall. It's coming out and saying that the, the KCP to the Lakers was the most egregious, outrageous, visible signal that LeBron was going to head there, right, a year in advance. And, mm. and sure enough, um, I'd even go one step further to say that, you know, Wendy's even saying nudge, nudge, right? That don't be surprised if the Lakers end up with Kyrie and Anthony Davis. Well, that's, yeah, know, I'd, I'd pump the brakes on that a little bit. I I, mean, look, it, I'm, I'm, I'm pumping the brakes too, but I, I so I'll, I'll, let, I'll, I'll let you grab it back because you started with the... Well, there's, the yeah, there's two points quickly I'd yeah, make on that. Go I mean, for the first it. is the NBA at least can say, now you've give, you, we've given you eight years to build a team around this superstar and convince him to stay. If you can't convince a guy in eight years to stay, you know, there's, what, what else can the NBA do? I mean, obviously you can offer him more money, but when you're talking about $250 million versus $210 million, really money's just not, not that much of a factor. 
Um, well, that's that, a well, that's a great that point. That sort of astronomical and, level. And LeBron has led the way, but look at but but look right, Daz. Look what's happened to Boogie Cousins. It's cost him a gigant a fortune. It's going to cost Kristaps Porzingis a fortune. So mm. there isn't the the, the the players also and Victor Oladipo, you know, has gone gone through a severe injury, and you know, to a lesser extent, you know, guys like Jabari and so on, whose career earnings have been, you know, absolutely, you know, torpedoed. By injuries, well, so that's the point it doesn't too. come had, without risk. If they right? still it had, come without risk. Well, if yep. they still had the ability to offer a Derek Coleman type contract, as soon as you come yeah. out, we like look of you. Here's a, a seven, eight year contract. Then obviously, the, 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 it's the teams taking on the risk of those injuries. So the way it's structured now, I, I think it's probably about right in terms of. I think it there is. is. There is some team I think that's risk, right. yeah. and there is some player risk there. And and sometimes you see unlucky players like Isaiah Thomas is probably the best example of that, uh, and Boogie Cousins and and Chris Stapps etc. Um, but there's also some unlucky teams now that are falling in, either missing out on their superstars, or in Washington case. Care for what you wish for, because you might end up getting your superstar on that supermax, and very quickly having buyer's remorse. So, I think it, bo- you know, again, I never feel sympathy for Boston, but the reality of they had one good game, seven good minutes of Gordon Hayward, and and he's been a, he's been a tragedy. He was obviously uh, didn't play at all last year, and I would argue he has been uh, a net destructive force on that team at thirty two million dollars. So these are. So that's a it's a really good point. I hadn't thought about it until you asked it. Where I go, eight years will it be AD with eight years, and um, you know, well, he'll be seven years because he's getting out a year early. Seven but years, basically, it would have been right. eight. Yeah, had he had he have stayed. Yeah. So the other now point- the, the the last so just to build on that and um, don't forget your question is the someone um, I forget again because I consume all these pods on my my ridiculous commute to work work days at the moment, but someone made a really great. Um, observation on this today and that to say might we see who's the first kind of top tier high top draft pick who doesn't go through this full rookie extension they're starting to say um is it someone like a deandre ayton who was a number one overall pick whose qualifying offer is going to be so significant as the number one pick his qo will be 16 million dollars so deandre's qo is worth more than the two-year deal that Julius Randle, right, got, had to take. So I go, you know, just recently here with New Orleans and, and countless others. Um, so that, they go, that might be the most interesting test case for well, where you might see a guy, because the QO is so big, take the QO and hit UFA even sooner. And that's an interesting thought experiment as well to see if DeAndre, if he keeps on his trajectory, his 2010 you know, trajectory and, and develops a bit of defense. They're saying he could be one of the first players who who takes that path as well. Well, on the flip so. side of that coin, Philly's going through that to some extent with Fultz. Not that they want to keep him, but it's not as it's not as simple as them saying he's still young. Let's let him develop because that, as a number one pick, he's a major cap hit for them uh, next year, and it's actually hurting their ability to build the team around and build yeah. sense. So it complicates that decision. That's right. That's right. So it's it's yeah. getting up there yeah. now. So and I think you're right. I think if, if if players are in a bad position early, you're like, do I really want to lock into this for five years? I mean, Phoenix have been a, a dumpster fire since Steve Nash left. Essentially, they had one sort of little ray of sunshine with Bledsoe and 
and uh, Dragic there for a season, but that was that was it. So you know, it's been a dark, dark time in Phoenix, and you just wonder yeah, the yeah. way they're travelling at the moment. Although they've been more competitive lately, um, wherever Andre uh, DeAndre Ayton looks at that Look, and thinks yeah. that's that's where I want to go. Um, back to the the and the other point on the original one. I mean, how the NBA must be looking at this game and going, here we are in Super Bowl week, and all we're doing is talking about the NBA, and the NBA will dominate sports talk shows and headlines in the in the US. I would imagine. I mean, you know much more about the US sports landscape than me, but that that's got to be in their thinking to say this is not necessarily bad for the game to see this sort of stuff happening. Sure, for, for sure, and especially with the um, with the, the let's call it the younger fans and the, and the casual fans were you know, still, you know, um, building allegiances and that, that sort of stuff because it's, a, it's well, we've talked about this before, it's a star-driven league, right? And it's easy to follow stars. And, you know, the we're, we're going to be talking about very, very quickly this time next year, we're gonna be talking about Zion Williamson. And that, that guy's going to probably enter into the Anthony Davis thing here, which I think we should talk about. But um, back to the U.S., you're right. It's the it's a star driven league. Um, talking about Giannis and Harden and then now Boogie and and now Boogie and and um, sorry not Boogie but Draymond kind of coming back to normal and when Draymond and Steph are firing all cylinders we see what happens to the Golden State Warriors and and then you know this the pre agency coming up and the trade deadline and Anthony Davis and oh God poor Vic Oladipo it's absolutely bang every day there's something happening with stars and I think there was a Pro Bowl. <laughs> like the fan, there was a game like the, yeah in Hawaii that still happened, and like I mean honestly, the interest in the NFL is still huge though, right? It's still the numbers still say it still dwarfs. I think people but, will watch the game, but I think they're losing that that week to week obsession that it used to be. Um, in between, that's right, especially with fantasy. And it's no more over. a twelve month. Uh, uh, once the Super Bowl finishes, no one talks about NFL again until week one, essentially. So, whereas... well, and so then wait till gambling really starts to take off with the NBA. You got every single night, you got interesting stuff going on. Like no one wants to bet on baseball. Baseball's fucking boring, right? Base- baseball's a lovely, nostalgic sport, which will always have its its niche in America. Um, that's a hundred and sixty-two games. Right? NBA's got non-stop 82 games which means for basically every single night for basically seven months you've got something interesting happening and and i think so the gambling i think it's going to also continue to drive both not only revenue but interest of what's called the casual fans right and even casual fans you look at the nfl it happens once a week and i just i'm i'm gonna continue with my with my thread and perhaps will be proven right in 10 years that the NFL is going to go the way of professional boxing or professional wrestling. It's either going to be a right a barbaric, a barbaric, highly regulated, um, over-governed sport done by a select few like boxing, or it's going to go the way like it feels like for me, which is almost WWF style, which is creating right good versus evil, and so the NFL thrives off of controversy and rules interpretations and injustice and unfairness and and right it feeds off of the 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 that imp the imperity 
of the sport and the creating of the right the architecting of 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 enemies and common enemies and whether it's refereeing or conspiracy theories of Los Angeles based refs and and Belichick it just feels like it's what was your Bobby the Brain Heen and Andre the Giant versus <laughs> right the good guys it's just it has the whole just from a competitive standpoint it has that whole feel of it feels much more Hollywood Darth versus Luke you know Bobby Heenan versus the Hulk Hogan sort of stuff than it does a you know a well sport I think you're right it's all shown no substance it's yeah. all shown no substance at the moment in the NFL all that's drama where, that's right that's, that's right. where I've gone away from it whereas I think there's a lot more substance substantive material that you can get a hold of in the NBA from yeah. almost any team. I mean, we we could spend the pod talking about almost any team. I mean, we're NBA tragics, but I think even the casual fans now are much more interested, much more knowledgeable about what's going well, on in the stars of the league. That's interesting, and I go with um, with you know the, the where we come from and where we live and our surrounds here, obviously in, in Sydney in Australia. And I don't know if you've noticed this, Daz. I have because I consume so many hours of pods at the moment, but. You know when they're doing um, they're doing reader mails, whether it's open for the SI guys or it's um, Duncan Danny do some does some reader mail. Sam Vecini, who does Game Theory with Dieter Kurtenbach, who covers who that's actually an underrated one. If you haven't listened to Game Theory, uh, Sam Vecini and Dieter Kurtenbach. Dieter's uh, he says left bomb more than I do, which makes me feel quite good, Baz. But the, where I was going with that is all of them who when they do their kind of you know, they, they, the fan the fan feedback or they've done some Twitter exchanges, there's almost every week now, there's um, uh, comments from and questions from um, people in Australia. And to a man, they'll go, oh, gosh, we get a lot of questions from Australia. No, oh, the Aussies, the, the Aussies, as they say, the Aussies are, you know, from Melbourne. They're really interested in the NBA. And so and what you and I also used, to, we've, the data we, how we just stumbled on this or, we came to it, but right, the um, we've learned that the the NBA League Pass, the highest per capita consumption in the world, is in Australia. So the point, my point was getting a really long way to answer your question around you saying we're junkies, and I go, I don't think we are junkies, Daz. I think there's a lot of people like us who love what Buddy Fox is doing and get a little bit excited that the choo-choo Wizards lost in Cleveland today. And some guy called K. Williams on, on a team who has every reason to lose by 50 goes off against the Houston Rockets, and the Pelicans beat the Rockets in Houston today. That makes no sense. Like, there's cool, there's amazing stories in there. So if you like sport and you like competition and you like this, you know, men strapping it on and fucking wanting to beat someone's brains out, and the, the individual stories and the highlights, I go, fuck, how can you not like the NBA? Right? So I don't know if we are kind of the, the nerd elite. Well, team maybe, I, I'm, maybe not. Yeah. I, think, I think the podcasting world uh, has, has expanded that as well because there's so much content to talk about in, yeah, in the NBA, whereas in the NFL – my eyes glaze over. I mean, even when I was supporting the, the game, my eyes would glaze over quickly once they start talking about defensive linemen and, you know, offensive schemes and things like that. Like, you just, oh, I'm, I'm not interested. Um, didn't have enough knowledge of the NFL to really get into that. Whereas you sort of feel like you can, you, the NBA is more accessible from that point of view. And I think 
with Team USA coming down here, there's a game we'll, we'll be attending in August uh, against the Boomers. It's only going to grow from there. And, and I mean, I've seen locally here the, the growth in basketball and the growth in interest just down here from a playing point of view. Uh, but as well as, you know, the NBL crowds are up and I think people are much more engaged with the NBA. Um, and, what's, and, your, what's your read on, on, on Australia and, and, and I guess in your circles – in followership of NFL versus NBA. Have you noticed a difference? Oh, I it think shifts in one way or, or the other? To me, I, th- I think there's more people coming in and at least giving the NBA a look that probably would have would have yeah. sort of poo-pooed it a few years ago. Um, and within my circles, there's probably still more NFL because I think the NFL... The fact that they had Jared Hayne, of course, from Rugby League go over there, that, that created a fair bit of interest, and I think people started watching from that point of view. So I still think there's more interest in the NFL. The NFL's on free-to-air TV, etc. But I think, yeah. again, I think the NBA's coming, uh, and and I think people would probably <laughs> still... If you were asked, a, a, you know, a, a casual sports fan, name me 10 NBA players, name me 10 NFL players... If they're not playing NFL fantasy, I'll guarantee they'll be naming the 10 NBA players um, much more easily mm, than mm. the NFL players. And I think that yeah. counts for something. Yeah. And I think it's only going to get more more stark as as time goes on. And I think eventually the sort of showmanship of the NFL and the sort of, you know, the, the vapid nature of the sport at the moment will will come through the people unless something unless there's sort of some other um, you know change uh, made to, to one of the sports either negative for the NBA or, or positive for the NFL so I think yeah. that, that, that's a nice anyway Des look that's a nice little segue to start with um, but we might get back to the the business at hand so the, the Anthony Davis trade request and the first point I'd make is I think this is one of the reasons why people still don't warm to LeBron James and why people hate the Los Angeles Lakers like myself. Like, LeBron's basically now a quasi-agent for players across the league. So once... Uh, now, whether that's right or wrong, and, and LeBron would say, look, Rich Paul's his own man, he makes his own... and players make their own decisions. But the look of it certainly is, once Rich Paul represented Anthony Davis, everyone thought, OK... It's it's going to be a fait accompli goes to the Lakers or at least requests a trade to the Lakers. And the, and the latest wage bomb is it's considered only a matter of time before he names the Lakers his preferred destination and the old, you know, trotting out the old line of, oh, I'll only be a rental until 2020. The same thing that Paul George said, the same thing that Kawhi Leonard supposedly said. So uh, I take that with a grain of salt anyway. But... I think it does show where the frustration comes from um, towards LeBron James and why he's probably not quite as beloved um, across the league, really, uh, as, as what he might otherwise be. I mean, do you do you sense that? I mean, I know I'm probably a bit lower on LeBron. No, that's a that's overall, a really but... interesting. Again, we're getting into kind of the the, well, the big sort of arcing narratives to that, which is not which is fine because I I guess I come from the um, let's call it the right. I'm going to draw the thread from our last conversation as a fan, right? Who grew up right um, with a in a pretty interesting time, right? When the Bucks were really, really good in the late seventies and eighties and the Packers were terrible. And then, you know, so my Bucks were really competitive, just could never get past the Celtics or Sixers, both of them in the same season. And then obviously when Brett Favre came, I've had 
let's call it 25 years of scintillating quarterback play, which no other franchise except for Tom Brady can match that, right? So I've had kind of almost the best possible NFL product I could hope for for the last 25 years. That's why I call it. It's kind of like being a Spurs fan, right? Because we had this, the generations past, we didn't win as many titles as, as the Spurs did, but I go, having having lived that that arc, right, and now coming back to, to this, what I've seen happen in the NFL is this, um, I'm going to state it in the extreme, the way LeBron stated it, but it's the, you know, the NFL has the mentality of slave ownership. It's short-term contracts, and the, the stories I hear and collect around, you know, um, fringe players who are trying to make it, who get caught or who get hurt and get thrown to the scrap heap and, Right, so the guys who put in this, you know, 10, 12 years of their life up to age 21, 22 to try and make it, one injury and they are done and they are replaced and they got no place to go and there's no safety net and everything around the the, the settlements around the um, um, the brain injuries and, and related to concussions and I could go on and on and on and the way they they punish sexual harassment and so forth, right? And we've seen even stars like um, Le'Veon Bell holding out for against this awful thing called the franchise tag, which is like mm. the extreme, extreme version of an NFL team, NFL team can put on their star players, which literally owns them. You are now effectively owned by the, the by the franchise. A franchise tag, for those who don't know, is the you can put a tag on and on a player once they're a free agent. You put a franchise tag, which means but they are then guaranteed, right, the salary, the average salary of the top five paid players at that same position. So they're earning a ton, a ton of money, but they have absolutely no right and no say. Either take it or not. So you take all that money and play for the franchise who you might hate or you can't. The point of I'm getting to, right, is where, where I don't, I don't <clears throat> downgrade or think less of LeBron because what I see is kind of a broad wave of what he has done is bring player empowerment to the league. He's shown them, right, you know what, we can take control. You've only got this time for five years or ten years or twelve years, right? So we forget how young these people are, right? I'm now in my 40s, right? And I go, God, these are 23, 24-year-old quote-unquote men. They're kind of boys, right, at 23, 24 with enormous amounts of money and pressure and sophistication in their lives. And so Part of me, Daz, I genuinely, I, I like the broader macro trend for how he's shown a way to say, we're still going to work extremely hard. We take care of our bodies. We fulfill, unless you're Kawhi Leonard, all your obligations in your contract. We'll bust our butts. We make you tons of money. We'll bring other stars with us. It's hard to argue. It's hard to argue with the value being created by LeBron or Harden or Westbrook or Giannis or, or Zinger or Right? It's hard to argue with the, the asset value these individuals create. And I go, well, then why not? Why not take control of their futures a little bit more and have some say in where they play and how they play? Yeah, but I don't have a problem with that. But I have a problem with a, a player essentially being an agent but, for another player. And that's, that's what I see is happening here. But I do it every day. I had two conversations today. I'm not not joking. My 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 network of friends in the professional sphere, and I'm I'm considering you know going back to a a place I used to work a couple years ago, and I'm I'm networking and trying to figure out is this the right place for me? And I'm also you know you know trying to negotiate a you know different 
a different contract and a bigger permanent role than my current employer. And I go, we, I do it. <laughs> I'm trying to work out what's the best place for me. Where can I develop and grow and make the most money, be surrounded by people I enjoy and, and learn from it and get the most out of my career. And I go, don't you and I do that? So I go, why, why is it that we think that, you know, that, that why do we do like, yeah, but because like, what, the idea about- of sports is it's it's a level playing field, and I understand it's not once you once you get into everyone, it, like once you put everyone in there, and <clears> obviously <throat> some players are better than others. But we start at a level playing field. One team has got a player in there that's basically now an agent for other players and can sort of whisper in their ear and say, "Look, you ask for a trade request. Say you're only going to come here, and I'll make it happen." I just sort of think that's that's an unfair advantage that they're now getting across the rest of the league. Yeah, look, look that, so that's I think the that's why I go back to our earlier my earlier point where I think we talked about is the NBA do they like this stuff? Are they actually okay with all the player churn and the headline grabbing? And I goes because of plausible deniability, they sought out with the CBA through designated player extensions, right, and things like bird rights you know, to give the incumbent teams advantages, right? But I go, that's human beings trying to engineer things out of human beings' control was there's nothing humans can do that makes uh, a 24-year-old millionaire um, African-American male enjoy living in Milwaukee or Cleveland more than living in L.A. or Miami. Nothing you can do, Daz. So I go, it's Milwaukee or Miami. Come on, it's it's Indianapolis or Los Angeles. Give me a break, right? It's Cleveland or New York City. Duh. So I go. There's nothing. It is unfair. The very nature of 30 franchises, you know, the bell curve suggests that there's there's disproportionate, you know, allure to the big markets. And and I go. You know what? I thought the and I think the NBA has done they've done fairly well with things like we've talked about before, like with the designated player, with things like the luxury tax, right? We're seeing it now in Houston. The luxury tax penalties are very, very real. Houston signed Michael Carter Williams, Carmelo Anthony, James Ennis, because you know what? The luxury tax penalty started to get harsh. That's a mechanism, right? To nudge human behavior back towards quote unquote parity. So I go, it's imperfect. It is, um, it is, it is swooping towards. You're right. It's swooping towards LeBron, puppet master, players as agents for each other. But part of me goes, if I had to compare it to the NFL or the Major League Baseball, or I go, it's still really, really healthy. Oh, I think that's the, fair enough. I mean, it's yeah. an imperfect system, and um, but I'm just but what saying. What is perfect? The, I go. What is what is perfect though? I mean, but that's from why the point of view think, where people say, why don't people like unfair, LeBron? Unfair. You're talking about competitiveness, right? Yeah. But why yeah. don't people like LeBron? It's this sort of stuff where they just think he's a he's a manipulator, and and people just think let let's let things play out in a fair manner, rather than you get your guy to be his agent and then be whispering in his ear and get him to request a trade. This is now the third player in what the Lakers. So, I mean, the, the tampering is just rife with the Lakers, and I'm going to get to another point in a second, whereas I think it's actually backfiring on them to some extent. But I just think 
this is why when people say, why don't people like LeBron, all the great stuff that he does off the court, and, and there's a lot to like about him and his game, these are the things, I think, that, that annoy um, some of the fans around the league when they sort of see things like this going on. It just doesn't pass the smell test uh, to me. Mm. So, But I, I take your point. Mm. I mean, I don't think it's, a, it's, a, it's an imperfect well, system, but it's I, the look, best I'm... system that you... That, if you're going to compare it to the NFL, Major League Baseball, and really almost any professional sport in the world, I think that the NBA's as close as you're going to get um, to a, you know, to an optimal optimized system. Put it that way. Yeah. I don't think you can ever yeah. get to a perfect system. But just quickly, so on the on the Lakers itself, I actually think what they're doing is actually backfiring to some extent, though, because we've already seen basically Indiana put their foot foot in the on the in the ground said, look, we're not trading him at Paul George to any... We'll trade Paul George to anyone. We're not trading him to the Lakers. Uh, the Spurs said, we're not going to trade Kawhi Leonard to the Lakers. Um, and, of course, Paul George didn't... Now, if you believe the rumours that are coming out, the NBA actually told the Lakers that you're not allowed to sign Paul George. So we'll, it'll be interesting to see if anything else comes out about that. I don't believe that for one second. I don't I believe know. that either, but I have heard that. Um, reported or you know, sort of theorised. I know, I but I, I hear you about. I'm sorry, keep going. Different side. So, but I, do you think it is backfiring a little bit? Because teams are, and, and New Orleans have already come out and said there shouldn't be any tampering. Teams are genuinely getting pissed off with the Lakers and why they're doing so, it. And I wouldn't be surprised if they if they dig their heels in and say we're not we're trading Anthony Davis to anywhere but the Lakers. And of course, we'll get into their assets and lack thereof in a moment, anyway. But just on that point, well, what's your, what's your thoughts there? Is the question: Is this backfiring on are the Lakers? I mean, is the tampering, actually, the the open yeah. tampering that they're doing, is it backfiring on them and hurting their ability to actually trade for those players? I'm I'm going to cop out and say let let's answer that based on where Anthony Davis actually lands. <laughs> So I think there's a non-zero probability he lands somewhere else for at least a year. Then there's a non-zero probability he pulls a Paul George and resigns. Is it a is it a big probability? No, but he's still his rights are still owned by the Pelicans for the next you know 18 months. So um, let's wait till Anthony Davis bears out. Full stop. Um, I well, think their arrogance, less than this anti-contempt. I think the arrogance has gotten the way with. Things like let's talk about Kawhi Leonard specifically, where I I know that Pop hates them, but I think I think if you if I had two columns on Pop's hatred for Los Angeles in my left hand column and Pop's desire to do right by his franchise in the right hand column, I think that the height of the column of the right to do right by the franchise is higher than his hatred. And if Pop and RC genuinely believed that a package centered around Ingram and Ball, for instance, was better for the franchise than DeMar DeRozan and and Jakob Hertel, I believe they would have pulled the trigger, Daz. Do you not believe that? I be believe case? that, but I think if it's if it's close, if the Lakers come up with something that's close to what Toronto's offering, they'll go of Toronto. Because I they just bigger. hate the Lakers. Close, if sure. it's bigger, Tiebreaker. yes, but they don't have the, the assets. Sure. They don't have yeah. the assets to be wandering Listen, around this, 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 this Lakers is my point. exceptionalism that well, they, they carry on like, with. That's why I said the, the arrogance, less so than the tampering, I think is getting in the way. So I think 
that's, the I think that's a arrogant good point. Yes. with Paul George and saying, you know what, we're not going to put, you know, um, Ingram on the table with Paul George. Well, guess what? Now you don't have Paul George. And I think they did similar shit with, with um, the Spurs, probably because they, they perhaps L.A. also knew that San Antonio, just to your point, probably needed to be blown away to want to trade Kawhi to the evil empire. Hmm. And so maybe they pulled back. But I, I do genuinely believe if, if Pop had the best offer and and really wanted to, in good faith, work with L.A. to get an offer that sent Kawhi to L.A. that was best for the San Antonio Spurs franchise, he would have done it. And here we go. Kawhi is in Toronto, and we don't know. It doesn't oh, I think look there's like a Kawhi's zero going, chance to going to the Lakers. There's, there's almost a zero chance. Yeah, it feels like Clippers or Toronto would feel like almost 50-50, doesn't yeah. it? Maybe yep. it's 60-40, depending on the day. So, well, that's good the question. thing. I mean, they're... you don't know where the Lakers are going to be in 18 months' time when, when they're theoretically going to say, well, we'll just get Anthony Davis in for agency. Who knows? Who knows where LeBron's we... going to be in his career and the, and so, the development of these young a, guys? That's exactly right. So I'm going to go. That's a great question you've asked, and I'm going to answer it slightly differently to say, I think it's the hubris that's gotten the Lakers not been a, it's not been a service to them. I also think it goes back to right, my old uh, axiom of ownership, front office, coach, uh, roster alignment. And I say the genie bus, um, Luke Walton, Rob Palenka, Magic Johnson, LeBron James, and Rich Paul. You've got multilateral relationships here, Daz. And I go, that's not they're not unified yet. I think they're all unified in their um, in the self-belief that they're a, almost an entitled franchise who has advantages to attract players but are they unified in what needs to happen with the los angeles lakers franchise over the next three and a half years to make the most of lebron's time no fucking way do i believe that i don't believe that those three threads are 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 fully aligned so i think that's perhaps more the broader question is where's this you know how are they going to sort out their coaching how are they going to sort out roster building and how they how is genie and uh, and and luke and palinka and magic and and Rich Paul and, and, and LeBron James working together, I don't know. But it certainly doesn't seem yet to be on the same team sheet. And well, they're not, until definitely not. It's come, until it's come to this, let's call it the tampering, because who wouldn't be on board with trying to attract Anthony Davis? You can bet Magic Johnson and and LeBron and Rich Paul and Palinka are all on the same page with, you know, God, who wouldn't want that? Well, he's, but, the, um, there's two problems they have at the moment. So problem number one is they probably don't have the assets to, to trump what a number a, of other teams can, well, can offer. Right. Number two, even if every other team goes, you know what, he's signing in LA, let's just exit the race and they, and they can get him down. Let's say it comes down to them versus Boston. And they go, okay, we want to get him right now to make sure Boston can't make the offer because, of course, Boston can't make the offer until they re-sign, assuming they re-sign Kyrie Irving um, as a free agent. The problem then is if they trade for... Anthony Davis now, they've probably only got about $24 million left in salary uh, in salary cap to fill out the rest of the roster, right? So that And that's not for one player. That might be for several players. So the thought that they're going to get a third superstar on $24 million a season, I think is fanciful at best. Well, I think if you took a, looked at AD plus LeBron and um, just those two are going to be recommended. Well, it's going to be and filler. 65... 65 million, right? So the cap, the cap will be 110. Well, they've know, still got um, Luel Dang's cap sheet on, on, I think that's about 40 oh, million. Some, 
Yeah, they do. So yeah, that's right. But but look, they'll have plenty for one more. They have more for one more star. But you're right. Then you're going to fill out the roster with maybe three max players. Let's pretend. Well, it's not going to be three max because I can tell you now because I've I've read it that the the well even if they only had Luel Dang's cap sheet, uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron, it's something like thirty million that they have left. That's for the rest of the roster. So I don't know what max player. Yeah. Under, well, no, because you can't. There is a hard cap in the sense that you can't sign players to go over the tax. You can re-sign your own players to go over the tax. Of course, they have any bird rights. Of course, that's right. That's right. So yeah. that's where they're going to come in. So they can't. For example, they can't trade for Anthony Davis, then go and sign Kyrie Irving or Clay Thompson in free agency, unless one of those guys is going to take a discount to come there. That's the point I'm making, I guess. There. Yeah. Look. Um, so, so I think that's I, I right. I don't think so, it's but, all but, but, roses but you, for them. But if you way. can send out, but if you can send out KCP, right? You can send out, you know, Rondo, who's another, what, you know, twenty-one million, and you've basically got, you know, it should actually work out okay, Daz. I guess Lonzo's guaranteed. If you send out Lonzo, Lonzo's worth eight point seven next year. Ingram seven point two. Um, KCP and Rajon Rondo come off the books. If LeBron was thirty-seven. Let's say AD is also say thirty-seven million. That's seventy-five million plus plus Dang. That's eighty million, right? The cap's still going to be hundred and fifteen. Then your luxury tax is going to be what one thirty-ish. And so to sign a free agent, you need to be under the cap, right? So then you're daily, you're basically dealing with. You're right. Maybe it's not full max. Maybe it's a thirty million dollar player, not a full thirty-five percent max. But it's pretty close to max. But it's but it would then be a team full of, like you'd probably have to get rid of even Mo, Mo Wagner to be Kuzma, Hart, Svi, and then like the like the Golden State Warriors have. Can you name the Warriors eleven through fifteen players? You can't because they don't have them. All I know They're, is I die a little bit inside every time Kevon Looney scores a bucket. Yeah, if he wasn't from Milwaukee, I'd hate that <laughs> fucking guy. That's right. But look, let, let, we'll, do, we'll roll back up, right? The Lakers can make the finances work for it to have to get AD and a third player. They can, right? It doesn't mean their roster is going to be terrific, but they they could get the three. Um, what my my thinking is, I don't know where you're at at this, is even though AD now is when he requested a trade saying LA is the only team he'd sign an extension with. What's your? What do you think is going to happen? Do you think that? Because the, no. the question actually all comes back to, the to Lakers, uh, New Orleans ownership. Yeah, yeah. Because look, they just don't have. I mean, let's look at what the Lakers can offer: Ingram, Ball, Hart, Kuzma. Let's say they throw all of them in there, right? Plus picks. Well, you've still got to take players back. This is the other. This is the point that Brian Windhorst made. You you can't do a five for one trade now. You have to do that in the summer because you have to have a roster of 15 players. So they can't just say, oh, we'll take back five players and here's Anthony Davis. It doesn't work that way, not in, not in season trades. So there's going to have to be some sort of throw-in players. And obviously you can throw in a Tim Frazier and um, you know, other guys as, as sort of salary filler on big, big money. But you're still taking back players there um, from that point of view. And then, you know, the draft picks you're sending over are not going to be very attractive. So it's not like some of the other teams we might talk about. If they send future data draft picks and Anthony Davis leaves, 
um, those draft picks might actually be uh, attractive to New Orleans. But uh, the draft picks that mm. Lakers can offer, because you're assuming obviously he's going to resign there, the draft picks mm. the Lakers are able to offer are going to be high twenties. So that's not that's not going to get the job done. And we've they don't have any seen, incoming either. That's right. Yeah. And this is the biggest problem with the LeBron injury. The secret's out now. Brandon Ingram's not that good. Someone needs to call Kevin O'Connor and say, Kevin, really, you need to watch this guy because he keeps talking him up. <clears throat> and, I, and I can't, I just can't see what he sees. I'd like to actually watch a game with him and say, tell me what you're seeing from this guy that I'm not because he just does not pass the eye test. And we've talked about it a number of times. Um, Lonzo Ball hasn't really shown anything since coming into the league. And if you, if you were redrafting that draft now, I think he falls quite a ways down there. Um, uh, Josh Hart's okay. You know, he's a, a, a bench player, I think, at best. Kuzma, I'm not a fan of Kuzma's game. I think if you if you saw Kuzma on the right 10 games of the year, you'd think he's an all-star. And if you see him on the wrong 10 games of the year, uh, you'd think he's should be out of the league. So yeah, he's, that sort yeah. of, he's, he's sort of um, rocks or diamonds, uh, Kuzma. So none of those guys on their own are really going to excite New Orleans. I mean, I, I do agree, I guess, that Ingram's the no, highest is, ceiling of those, but yeah. there's not another guy that you're going to get too excited about. So my conspiracy theory is, is LeBron really hurt? Is he really hurt? Because I wonder if if thought process... I, I almost say it only half in jest. Because if you start thinking about the, um, the script, which is come to LA, right, meld with meld with the coach who's beloved by the owner, which he's done with, with Luke to an extent. And LeBron's came out backing Luke. Um, then they play with all kinds of pace, which is not LeBron style, right? But they were winning games and looking fun and grabbing headlines and everyone's doing great. And then, ooh, LeBron gets hurt just you know a little bit before the trade deadline, right? Ooh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Lonzo's usage is down. Ingram's usage is down. Because guess what LeBron does a lot when he plays? So LeBron needs to go away for a while to pump up the asset value, make it unambiguous about what the value of these kids can be before the trade deadline, and then make this announcement on AD. This all feels actually, I could build a case where this actually feels a bit scripted. Is LeBron perfectly fine to come back today? We don't know. Well, he was listed how, day to day when he first went down. Don't forget that. That's what I'm saying, right? I, I don't want to, I almost don't care if he's hurt or not hurt, to be honest with you. But I think this is where I go, this all feels a bit like Daz, we could start doing choo-choo. Choo, we could start doing choo-choo with the Los Angeles Lakers, with the LA Lakers, because I'm with you, where reasonable minds who watch Brandon Ingram play cannot conclude, you can't conclude he's more valuable than, than Kyle Kuzma. You can't. Is he more valuable than Kyle Kuzma to you? Well, Jared he's 21 two, and Kuzma, Kuzma's 24. I mean, so age plays a factor. Who's more valuable? At the moment, it's Kuzma, but you've still got that untapped upside in Ingram, whereas I'm not Based sure. on what data? Well, that's the problem, based on a yeah. theory. Based on a theory. So this is where I'm going. This is, this is, not, this is not, it's neither here nor there, but I think the, I wonder, right, if LeBron's complete calculus is now starting to unravel, if... Lonzo Ball can barely return you. The new rumor is that, right, you know, the Ball family has come out saying, right, oh, oh he's hurt, can't trade him, right? <laughs> it's the, and he also wants to go to a team who, who's missing a point guard, so don't you dare trade him to New Orleans, where Drew Holiday is the king. Well, the last there. I heard was they want to trade him to Phoenix. 
Well, uh, Phoenix won. That's exactly but right. I don't know what Phoenix can give back that's going to help the Lakers land AD. That's what I'm saying. They're, they're already saying, my point was, I think a fair trade would be Lonzo Ball, number two, for Josh, Josh Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> so I know he was drafted only like number five. He was also a pretty high lottery pick, but... Right. Let's just say the traject the career trajectories at the time they were drafted of Lonzo and Josh Jackson, not exactly the same trajectory. So I think LA would be lucky if if Lonzo netted a an asset who was worth a jo- a Josh Jackson equivalent. So back to my point is I wonder if LeBron's calculus is actually going astray in Lonzo's not worth what he used to be. Lonzo's not worth a number number two pick. Would you trade Lonzo? For an unprotected first-round pick this year? Oh no! No fucking way. No, would you trade? Would you trade Ingram for an unprotected first? No way. You wouldn't. So you go. They're no longer worth number two draft pick status. And I go. Six months ago, we probably could have thought. You know what? With LeBron, you know, some of us drafted Ingram for their fantasy teams, thinking he would, he might thrive. <laughs> <laughs> and well, so, most people thought he'd be the second scorer, but it's actually been Kuzma. Most nights. That's right. Yeah. Uh, that's been their second score. And Zubac, other nights, right? Yeah. Well, I don't so, get too uh, excited about Zubac. But, um, no, but he's, you know, I've seen him in probably his two games where he went for 20 and 10. He but, went uh, well against OKC, and, and then I realized that Stephen Adams isn't right. So a lot of centers have been putting up numbers against OKC lately. Uh, so it's not as impressive as it once was. Uh, and, and when we have more time, we'll, we'll probably discuss yeah. OKC. Let, let's look at the, the broader picture, though, Dave. So Because I look at it this way. I think there's there's two types of teams that can go after AD. There's the teams that go, if he doesn't resign, we don't care. This is our chance to win a title. We think we've got the assets to land him. Let's bring him in and let's roll the dice for eighteen months. We're going to have two run two shots at it. Maybe we maybe we you know we can put together a team that can give Golden State a run. And then if KD leaves next year, maybe we're the favourites to win the title. And then I think there's the teams that say. We're confident we can get him to re-sign. Obviously, every team's going to try and get him to re-sign, but certain teams, I think, can be more confident than others that he'll re-sign there, and let's make sure we get the right package in place for that. Um, so I think that's going to be the two. Now, I'll, I'll give you some teams, and we'll just sort of quickly talk about the teams. Firstly, in the contender um, the contender range, and the team that I keep hearing, does, and I'm sure you're hearing it as well, is your Milwaukee Bucks. Apparently, they've said to New Orleans... Every single player on their roster is available, not named Giannis. My worry for that is most of them are expiring contracts, the really good players, and I just can't see why New Orleans would go for any of those um, options. Uh, agreed. It is a, an absolute dream, horrible fit. Uh, Middleton's uh, got a player option for $14 million. No way he's picking it up. Eric Budso is unrestricted. And the conversation ends there. It's not possible. They don't have future assets. Well, they don't have their pick. Pick probably going to Phoenix. Yeah, two different picks out to Cleveland and to Phoenix with various, um, various protections on them. It it, next? No, it's not possible. So, what about uh, to Toronto Raptors at the team? The no, that's interesting. That's right. So you could look to finish that sentence. I go. Guess what? Thon and Dante and DJ Wilson, Sterling Brown. No. They're not quite as interesting as, say, a Pascal Siakam or, you know, I thought where you might go is, for me, the contenders who would seem most obvious would be uh, Philadelphia and Toronto, 
who for the next you know year and a half would say fuck it maybe even minnesota well let's quickly talk about another term that's coming up that i don't think should or will do it and that's denver denver keep being brought up and i just i don't like that for denver this is one of the few teams i would say don't trade for anthony davis because i think he does bolt and i really like their young core there what they're building and i'd like to see what what becomes of this team in, in four or five years time and i'm not convinced anthony davis pushes them over the top there's a cockroach the size of my foot walking across my floor Davis. you know when i moved to australia 2005 that would have almost given me a gag reflex because cockroach was synonymous with squalor like if when you see a cockroach you're probably in some awful place in guadalajara mexico and now i've got ones the size of my foot and almost admiring him for his audacity walking right towards me don't you see me really i'm gonna get a shoe now, this cockroaches is great, right? are clean. This is, australian cockroaches this is are clean does well, especially over here in Clavelli, Daz, is you know, he eats <laughs> kale and celery sticks and hummus. Um, what, what was the question? So Denver. I just oh. want this motherfucker tickling my toes. Denver, look. Um, we've oh, been are high you on... with me? I don't like. I just don't like. I wouldn't like Denver to go in and do this deal and break up what what looks to be a promising young call. I would love Denver to go and do this deal. I think it changes their trajectory. I think we're well, all a bit, in the short term. I, th- He's not I think we're all. Yeah, well, but, but so who's got a better chance to unseat, you know, Golden State? Is it Anthony Davis, Jokic? Or is it Harris, Murray, and Jokic, right? I, I could go, sorry, it's yeah, but still the, column but B. If I'm Denver, I'm thinking about winning the title in 2023. I'm not thinking about winning the title in 2020. Maybe they should be. But I, I think they've got a team, particularly Michael Porter's still there, and who knows what's going to happen with him. They might still have some hopes that he develops. I'm just, I just think Davis is going to bolt in a year anyway. I, I'd hate to see them in 2021 sitting there with no Anthony Davis Look, and great just question. the shell of the rest of the roster. I don't know their owner or their risk profile. Um, so, f- so with that with that giant caveat, you're right. And this goes to the how um, the, 2020, the 2020 hindsight on New Orleans is that, Daz, did you realize since um, Anthony Davis was drafted that New Orleans Pelicans have traded seven first round draft picks in a row did you know that they well, well yeah we might come back to that because i do want to talk about the, the team building aspects of and the difficulties of trying to and why go that, that's right like that. right so I, you're, you're talking to me about denver who seems to be drafting all their first rounders and then getting unbelievable value with Jokic at what he's drafted 41st or something wasn't he um was he a second rounder? Yeah, he's second rounder. Fifty second or something. It was something ridiculous. Crazy. Forty or something. So, you know, will they stay true to their their core philosophy, which is to the anti New Orleans, and keep all their players and just build and build and build, or will they go the what feels like the Boston philosophy, which is just acquire assets and pounce when superstars become available? Right, sort of your both very valid paths to building a, a a good NBA team. So I, I actually, I would, I would err more towards, I'm probably, I'm not nearly as high on Will Barton and Gary Harris as some. 
I can see the promise in Jamal Murray. He's not there yet. Like he's not ready to win you a seven game series against a, as an underdog. I don't, I don't think he's there yet. Could he be? Yeah. I maybe squinty. Yeah, he could, but I, that's why I, I would go. If I had a chance to make my window, um, the next two years with a transcendent superstar like AD and right. But I think this is maybe that messes my caveat. If it wasn't Murray Harris and two future firsts, now I'm hesitant. But if you're talking, if it's Hernan Gomez, uh, Murray, Beasley, and two firsts, and you keep Gary Harris, now you got my attention. Like, I'm sort of like if you can keep one of Murray and Harris and don't trade four future firsts, I think you go for it if you're Denver. Yeah, but so I, I think I, they're I, not going to get it done without. I don't necessarily think they'd have to do Murray and Harris, but certainly it's going to be multiple picks plus Murray plus probably another nice player from their rotation. Well, I think, I think if, you, if you think you're Houston and you see Drew, and now Drew, which you should come back to, who said, 90% of my reason for signing with New Orleans was, was, was I really like Anthony Davis. He was such a nice guy. It wasn't the fact that he earned more money than fucking God's, you know, <laughs> God's children. We all screamed at his contract offer, but... Thanks for that. Well, he's too. an interesting trade, I mean, that's that's someone we could revisit too as well, the trade that's deadline right. approaches. Let's, let's finish Denver, then, then you're right. Let's then maybe come back to what, where New, what New Orleans should do. But I go, if I'm New Orleans, I'm targeting Gary Harris. I go, what a what a beautiful pairing, Drew and Gary Harris. And give me um, give me a Will Barton, who's a nice player, but he's replaceable there. Then give me someone like a, a Herden Gomez, a stretchy four. Right, because we're going to lose Miritich or trade him as well. Then give me Michael Porter, and then give me a first. Mm. So I go give me Porter, Gomez, Barton, and Harris. That's pretty good. And if you're Denver, you still got Murray, Jokic, and Anthony Davis. Oh, and, and I go Millsap. Brilliant. And Millsap, right? Yeah, go to war, right? And now I, and that's that's and that sort of thing. Even if AD leaves, you've got Murray and you've got Jokic who, you know, might become your next future Drew and and AD. And I, I just think, I again, it's just, I don't know Denver's ownership and their risk tolerance, but I could say they could actually kind of go all in, Daz, and, not, and have an not incredible two years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and not totally mortgage it, assuming that they're capable enough to lock in Jokic and Murray, who I think is a beautiful 1-5 combination longer term. So. Yeah, look, it, it could be. I mean, we, uh, you never know. Who excites you, then who excites you more if you're New Orleans? Who excites you more, a package around Gary Harris, Michael Porter, or a package around Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, and, you know, the 29th picks of the next couple of years? Well, like, what I, do you I think, think about... Toronto is an interesting one because I think what I like about Toronto is if you get the 2021-2022 picks, there's a chance they absolutely stink in those years. Because what if AD, what what I would be looking at if I'm trading someone to Toronto, AD is there for next year. Maybe Kawhi signs a one plus one, and and Kawhi may not want to do that with his health issues. He might want a longer term deal. But let's let's assume he signs a one plus one. Kyle yeah. Lowry's coming yeah. out of his career. Uh, they'll yeah. have their big run in 2020. They could be the worst team in the NBA in 2021, and you've got their unprotected first round pick. So that's where I think the Toronto deal to me, can trump other deals. But it's, it's a bit probably a bit harder to sell to your fan base looking forward. 
and going, we're going to have these really nice, do, and do what basically what the Celtics did to the Nets and just have a really nice treasure trove of draft assets going forward, as well as obviously Siakam and maybe JVV, or, sorry, JV and, uh, and OG Ananobi. I'm reasonably high on Ananobi, although he hasn't looked as good this year. Uh, I, I think that's a nice, you know, I'd be... I'm higher probably on the Toronto because I think the draft assets are going to be better down the track than what they probably will be. Because to your point, I think Denver is still going to remain competitive even if Anthony Davis does mm-hmm. bowl to mm-hmm. LA. So if you're talking about those contenders, I like the package from Toronto because I think Toronto are going to have one massive swing for the fences in 2020 and then they're going to tank. Whereas I think Denver are going to remain competitive. I think Philly are going to remain competitive. I think Boston are going to remain competitive. Like all these other teams that are coming in are not just doing it for this small window. Whereas if a team like Toronto does come in, they're only doing it for a very small window. And then you've got so, potentially very nice draft assets when you go to nice. Seattle in twenty twenty one. That's a that's a compelling argument. Let me let me pause. How old is Anthony Davis? Twenty five. And where was he drafted? Where? Number one overall, right? That's right. He was drafted. Number, and is he a top 10 player, top five player in the NBA? Is he first team all NBA, second team all NBA? Probably, right? Second, yeah, that's right. Yep. So 25-year-old, number one overall. Um, and he's at worst the eighth best player in the NBA. Right. So you're telling me Pascal... Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, and a Masai Ujiri-led team is going to go off the rails to make a possible pick kind of attractive. And I go, no, sorry. So I'm going to be really selfish. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm laser-focused New Orleans Dell Demps right now, I'm going, I have a 25-year-old player who is probably first-team All-NBA most seasons, second-team All-NBA when he's off his game or he gets hurt for 20 games. I've got one of the 10 best players in the league in the beginnings of his prime, right? It's hard to believe he's only two years older than Giannis. feels like he's been around forever, doesn't it? I go, that who is the most gettable type of asset I can get? Just quickly on the Toronto, what I was saying is I'm talking about getting their draft pick the year after Anthony Davis would leave. I hear you. I and that you, they would right? they would be awful. Sell that to New Orleans fan base. Oh, that's the problem. You see, but you're not selling Masai it to Masai Ujiri is so dumb. He will be. I go. I'm not banking on Masai Ujiri being dumb. If you're talking Sacramento's pick or Phoenix's pick or Washington's pick in 2021, give me unprotected. But I'm sorry, Masai Ujiri knows what he's fucking doing. And I go when the Masai. Well, but tanks, this is a swing for the fences. So, and I understand what you're saying, I, just, but I, Toronto saying, might not have a chance to win a title again for 30 years, if ever. Well, hear me out. Hear me out. I guess I'm saying, unless Toronto is starting to then include, um, you know, gutting the core, I, I just don't believe that offer could come close to if you just, if you put blinders on and go, how do I get maximum value out of Anthony Davis, who is uh, already a top 10 player in the NBA? Pascal Siakam might be the hundredth best player, right? I go, that's absolute, dis- absolute value destruction. You look at uh, what Boston might put together. Okay, give me Jason Tatum. What's he? Eightieth best player, sixtieth best player. 
you know, he's not anywhere near all NBA categories. Like, okay, Jason Tatum is kind of nice. Now Jason Tatum plus three or four future firsts might get my attention. But I'm sort of going, that's why I'm starting to get my head wrapped around Daz. I go, maybe, that's why I'm going, maybe the best possible chance is uh, get myself Zion Williamson. Well, that's where Zion the Knicks William- come into it. Well, Knicks and their, what, their 1 in 11 chance of getting Zion Williamson. I did seven, I did 17 tankathon mock drafts before I got the Knicks getting the number one pick. <laughs> My tankathon well, think, so, sim lottery, but, right? And that, yep. that's another argument to why they wait until the summer because then this the Celtics I'm going. can come in. That's when you know where the ping pong balls fall. So, you know, who, who knows? I mean, so this is where, this is exactly where I'm going. I think I go. I believe everything in my bones that I know the New Orleans is the Pelicans are the the third most interesting thing in the in the in the Loomis's and Benson's life, right? It's the Saints, it's the city of New Orleans, and I go, God, we got to manage the Pelicans, right? So we know that they're not exactly a strategically important um, asset in the um, in the Benson and Loomis and Loomis families, but they've come out and saying we know that we don't want to lose a whole bunch of money. And we, we probably want to keep our franchise in New Orleans. We don't want them to be the Seattle franchise. And so how do we maximize that? It's getting the best possible deal. How do we get the best possible deal? You know, it's probably from Boston, or it's probably any, the, the team who gets Zion Williamson. Those are the most gettable types of packages. Again, unless they go completely opposite and kind of do a San Antonio Spurs and go, oh, my God, we need – Andrew Wiggins and Jeff Teague or Chris Middleton and, and you know, um, a whole bunch of picks. Or let's say go, OMG, we need to be competitive this year. I think if I'm them, I'd wait. Wait till the ping pong balls and the lottery gets announced. Work your hardest to try and get the number one pick from a team who says, you know what, rather than Zion. And hopefully, that's why you hope the ping pong balls bounce towards the Knicks or a team like, you know, Honestly, God, that's two of my scenarios. The Wizards got um, the number one pick. And you're telling me the Wizards would take Anthony Davis, Zion over Anthony Davis? No way. Like they'd they, they dish that thing for Anthony Davis faster than we could, could uh, shake a stick. I'm not so sure about that. Oh, I, I think they would. Yeah. Well, they may not be able to afford I it. mean, I think the problem, the problem for New Orleans waiting to the summer is I think teams will drop out. So I don't think Toronto would be interested in the summer. I don't think Denver will be interested then. I think the Wizards How do you might get, be interested then. But are you with me at that the asset, the most attractive asset might be Zion Williamson? Would you rather have uh, Zion or Jason Tatum? Depends what they well, are. Look, for, for New Orleans, Zion, no doubt about it. But exactly. I think that's what I'm saying, though. I mean, in terms of the draft assets, I think New Orleans have got to look at when you're talking about, look, there's a lot of people saying, well, the Lakers are going to throw in four picks or whoever might throw yeah, in Yeah, they'll picks. be in the 20s. They'll cares, be in the 20s. Right? Even Boston's picks, they're not that attractive. You know, you've got, people aren't that high in this draft and they're talking about the Memphis pick, which might end up being very attractive. But no, the, they need the to Sacramento get different pick. years. You're right. They have to be the, the And that's why I'm saying that yeah. those future yeah. picks yeah. Are more attractive in certain teams probably than yep. they are yep. in others, and then you yep. wait. When the only team I can see being able to do the trade is the Knicks in terms of if they get the one pick. If Cleveland get the one pick, they're just picking Zion. They're not. They're not worried about Anthony Davis. True. The Wizards True. maybe because they could talk themselves into let's make a run with AD John Wall. What about the Bulls? Bradley Beal. 
Well, he is a Chicago um, native, but again, I can't see. Well, from the Bulls' perspective, would you have an AD or Zion if you're the Bulls? Yeah, but Zion AD probably... for one year. This is the problem. You, you but can't... I think they think they could, might be able to resign him. That's well, point, I think right? you've just got yeah. to assume you're not going to resign. The only t- that's why I say the Knicks is the only team I'm saying because I, I think the Knicks are the only team that can realistically say we'll resign him because they expect yeah. to be. Fr- free agent players you could see KD so, and AD there next year Daz, what do you think is coming back what do you think what do you actually think New Orleans is going to do I think he'll go to Boston that'd be my my guess I think Boston in July yeah, this this is what Boston's been setting it up for I don't think the Lakers have the asset I think the only other chance is if a team like Toronto or a Denver just say here's the offer and they say you know what who knows what might happen between now and summer? And who know? And the, as I said, the, the Celtics' assets are a little bit overrated, in my opinion. You know, Tatum's taken a bit of a step back this year, but I still obviously like him as an overall player. Jalen Brown hasn't looked as good. Um, and the problem, even from the Celtics' point of view, is you put Anthony Davis in that team, and you've basically got Anthony Davis and Kyrie. And if you trade Tatum and Brown and your draft picks, there's not a lot else on that roster, Daz. I mean, Haywood looks like a shell of himself. Horford hasn't been as good this year. He's clearly on the downward trajectory of his career. It's not all, it's not all that exciting a term. I, I mean, I'd argue it, it might not even be all that much better than what New Orleans are putting out night to night when everyone's healthy. If, if you're losing Tatum and Brown to bring in AD. But wait a second. Do you... Think about this from God. We're going to go past our deadline, Des. <laughs> if you're Boston, do you trade, say, Jason Tatum? And I think, so t- what do we think the value is? So, to be, to be, let's recap. Boston has four first round picks this year. They got Memphis's pick, which is likely to be about the number nine pick. They've got the Sacramento pick, which could be anywhere between probably 9 and 15, probably more like 10 to 12, right? Mm. So let's say the number 9 pick, the number 12 pick. They've got the Clippers pick, which is, depending on the Clippers, will be about 15 to 18. And they've got their own pick, probably in the mid-20s. So they got four picks, right? Let's call it 9, 13, 18, and 23. What is Anthony Davis worth? Is he worth, let's say Tatum is the minimum. It's Tatum plus. What's what's Anthony Davis worth in your mind? Is he Tatum plus Brown? Oh, I think Tatum you've got to do smart two Tatum. picks. Tatum I think and you've three got to do picks? Tatum and Brown. And see, the problem is, I think you also need some future picks because this is not this is not a very good draft. So you just wonder whether you you know. I mean, and you're getting them from Boston, I guess. So it's not they're not going to be great picks. I just think from Boston, I go. I, I, so my thinking is, if Boston's best offer, I think their best offer is going to be, if they even put Tatum on the table, which is not a certainty, is Tatum plus two of these firsts. And I reckon they're going to try and keep the best of the two. So I go think about if you're New Orleans, it's a pretty good sell though. If you could get two, let's let's assume for a second, Danny Ainge. It goes, blows his load. This is exactly what I've been waiting for. I've got Kyrie. I've got Anthony Davis. I've got Jalen Brown. And um, and I'm going for it. And it gives him the Memphis pick and the Sacramento pick, 9 and 13. If you're in New Orleans, you, aren't you feeling pretty good about Jason Tatum and the number 9 and number 13 picks in this draft, which could be right 
Manute Bowles, kid who's averaging like 28 and 15, like he's killing it. And someone else, like someone from one, you know, one of the top teams, you know, a DeAndre Hunter or a Jarrett Culver. Well, Bowl Bowl did get injured as well, so there's that that hanging over him. Um, foot injury, I think, same one that, that Embiid, oh, God, Embiid right. had. So the, the, the excitement on him uh, is not quite where it was. But um, I take like, point, I was, I was gonna, uh, Someone who's a, a name, like a Bowl Bowl, though, is a guy to put butts in seats in New Orleans. So I'm kind of going... I think I'm with you that Boston can probably still put together the most attractive package in July, but it has to be Tatum, and it has to be a minimum. Well, that's what I think they'll be doing. Picks, they'll be right? sitting there now saying, okay, let's look at it. In July, our best two suitors are probably going to be the Knicks with Zion, if, assuming the Knicks get the number one pick in them. And there's, there's, as you say, they're only a, what, 10% if, chance or whatever it is of getting the one pick. Then you've got, you can say, all right, then Boston could offer us this. And again, you, you're assuming what they're going to offer. Uh, and then you look at what the offers are coming in now. So you might have a Toronto offer. You might have a Denver offer. You'll certainly have a Lakers offer to consider. And then they, I think they've just got to weigh up all these different offers and say, well, what's you know what the, what's the yeah. best for us? Um, you know, the, other, the other factor you just made me realize is that as I'm, as I'm doing my, I'm on Tankathon doing my sim lottery, you know who's won two of the sim lotteries here in my last sort of eight clicks? The New Orleans Pelicans. <laughs> no, really. Imagine, what if they get the number one pick and they've got Zion locked up? Now they have even more leverage to go after their best package of, if they want it based around Lonzo and Ingram or Marcus Smart and Tatum. So again, that's a it's a five percent chance, and might increase, might be a ten percent chance, but that's maybe the other thing that goes into their calculus, right? Is that well, wait, meaning we're our ping pong. Wait and see. Yeah, yeah that, that's a good so point. unless someone, that's where I go. I think my feeling of what's going to happen is that there's going to be a a Godfather offer by a team like a Toronto, Milwaukee. Um, Minnesota, Philadelphia. Well, I don't think they can make Godfather oh. offers. That's the problem. Well, so I'm saying a, t- a team. My point is a team not called the Lakers and Celtics is going to make a gigantic offer mm. that they can't resist, right? Um, or they're going to wait till July. They're going to wait to see how the ping pong balls fall, right? Yeah. So if so, go. Let's assume. So I I don't think they're going to take a godfall. I think he stays on the Pels this year, and I think well, what they're going to do, do is try. No. Mm-mm. They're going to sell Nico. They're going to sell Randall. Even if it's you know fifty cents in the dollar, they might even get future seconds or you know whatever. They're going to sell Nico and Randall and Etwan and anyone else they can move. I think they shelve. I think they shelve AD the way the way Eric Bledsoe went in Phoenix. I think that's probably okay with AD and okay with Rich Paul and okay with the New Orleans fans and okay with Alvin Gentry. Is that go? Go manage Frank Jackson and Co. Now his challenge will be: How do you manage Drew Holiday? How do you get Drew Holiday to play, if at all? You know, through the last thirty games, if they shut down AD. Yeah. But I do believe the best thing would be just to be Machiavellian. Say Drew, deal with it. We're paying you a fortune, whether you play or not. We don't care. Well, um, do you AD, shop Drew sh- Holiday? Maybe. You know, maybe, and there's certainly maybe. some teams where he'd make a massive oh. difference. I mean, he 
I know James Harden scored 37 today, but for all intents and purposes, Drew Holiday shut him down. I think he was 8 of 32 from the field or something ridiculous um, in terms Fuck of his shooting. Fuck Harden and he had, 41% usage. And he had six blocks. So the dude can defend, and he would make he would be a difference maker on a number of teams um, across. I mean, imagine putting him on Utah, for example, and and seeing oh, how scary they'd be if they were able to make make some sort of a deal for him. So I think he's he's a very intriguing player to me now in terms of what New Orleans do. Next he's valuable. What, that guy's he's got a big contract, but he's he's I think he's not worth his contract, isn't he? Oh, he's played up he's, to his contract. That's been the he's been terrific. For me. So I. Yeah, I I think, look, I, agree. I think it's. I think we're going to see some big offers made in the next week, uh, but I think New Orleans will stand pat. I think most likely the destination for me is the, the Celtics. I think New Orleans, like the Lakers, would have to blow them out of the water because they don't want to deal with the Lakers, um, and, and rightfully so, in my opinion. So, And then, look, once AD goes somewhere, I think it's all overblown saying, oh, he's only a rental and he's definitely going to go to the Lakers. Yeah, we have no yeah. idea what the Lakers are going to look like in 12 months' time. Um, no. So I wouldn't be putting too much stock in that. Uh, and so, yeah, look, we'll wait and see. And I think, yeah, it is likely that if they don't trade him before the deadline, um, that they will move him. Uh, sorry, we'll sit him for the rest of the year. Um, so, look, we might just quickly touch on a bit of news, Daz, because we've gone over our... our yeah. I did want to talk about team building, but we might leave that for another pod because it sort of deals with the Mavericks and then Luka Doncic, etc., and the difficulties around building with a star. But let's quickly talk about Vic Oladipo because I think that was the big news coming out of Indiana. I'll get you a quick take on that before I let you go. Uh, horrible news for Indiana. At first, it probably wasn't quite as bad in the end because he looks like he'll be back for the start of next season. But you just wonder, is he going to be the same type of player when he comes back? Because it is a, a pretty um, severe type of injury. And for a player that relies on the explosion, explosive sort of play like Vic does, um, it's a bit, a bit of pill to swallow for a team that was looking like a contender. Yeah, this is one of those days where sport sucks. Right, it's the, you know, it's the the zinger tearing his ACL day. It's the Karis Levert doing the having this beautiful sort of Cinderella breakout season, and that his injury that looked a bit like Gordon Hayward's. And I, I still won't see. I didn't see the 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 Vic play, but it it looked like his leg went in really bad directions, and they the trainers like threw a towel over his leg as if to. You know, make sure that we can't see the the human horror that is his shredded leg. But uh, it's a horrible, horrible on every level. And the worst part, one of the worst parts about it is that he's had troubles with this leg. He's been looking after it, right? And so he's sort of, it's one of those situations where, right, a um, professional athlete trying to do his best to rehabilitate something. And they do their best to kind of say, you know, you're clear and you're fine. And then that you know, this troublesome leg goes and, and it blows out like this. So it's just a, it's a bad, you know, it's just a, that's what sports is, right? It's just, just these little tragedies. Um, so I guess if there's any good news, it wasn't a, a Sean Livingston-like injury, right? Which was what it looked like it could have been, which is multiple knee ligaments and that sort of stuff. So, look, that's terrible. Um, if you're the if they're Indiana franchise, though, you sort of, you know, in these moments of, okay, that happened, that's our reality. What do we have? Where are we at? As you love to say, 
You know, Miles Turner has an amazing defensive year. Sabonis has turned into a, a terrific, legit sixth man and, you know, quite a force. And with Thad Young, they've got a, ter- a tremendous kind of tall, big line, versatile, great defensive and versatile offensive sort of team. And now they've got a chance, right? Though that's why I sort of think if I'm if I'm them, I look at what my what the Eastern Conference is, and whilst they're probably better than they were last year, it still isn't murderers row. Like, is anyone really afraid of this year's Bucks compared to last year's Cavs? Probably not. And so I, I'd like to be in the camp, Daz. I'm I'm in the camp of can Indiana do something to go get to go get a Mike Conley and mm-hmm. pick up this kind of the scoring slack from Vic and perhaps might even be a better fit in many ways that Vic perhaps isn't. And that Mike is right. quite a, he's a, he's a rugged enough defender when he's healthy and uh, obviously a distributor and he's from Indiana. So I just, there's so much to like about Conley's fit in Indiana. So I don't know if they can make enough of a package to get him from Memphis that can, Memphis can sell to their fan base and give Memphis enough sort of well, all future indications assets. Are me- yeah. Memphis are trying to hold on to this pick now for the next year, so uh, it might yeah. be the worst thing in the world to not get the greatest value yeah. back and, and, yeah. and tank a little bit and maybe get some some future draft picks. Yeah, maybe so that's it. Maybe that's it. They they're to... about to enter a rebuild, um, and they and they're, to their credit, they've tried to avoid it, but. Uh, they're losing games even when they're trying to win games at the moment. They blew a 25-point second-half lead against Denver yesterday. So the, things are not looking up there, and I think the quicker they can move on from, from Conley, really. Yeah, so look, I, I don't expect Indiana to be aggressive, which was your question, but I, I, I'd like them to be. I just I probably don't expect them to be. That's quite a prudent franchise, isn't it, Daz? Or this kind of bit, the Indiana, which is – or sorry, Utah of the West, is stay the course, draft well, develop well – build a strong culture, build a strong system, build a strong team, and keep going. So I don't think they'd do anything that would really, that would disrupt, right, their kind of small market um, things that make them great. But um, I kind of hope that, I kind of wish they would. I you know I'm a Bucks fan, I want them to sort of stay down, go to the well, middle of the pack. But they I, were looking so well, they were looking likely yeah, a three they were seed, but legit, uh, they're legit, they're, legit they're falling away pretty badly yeah. since then. Uh, yeah. I think they lost to Memphis and then lost to the Warriors, although everyone loses the Warriors yeah, these days. Yeah, so, all right, Daz, look, we might leave it there, mate. We'll try and uh, catch up again. Obviously, if any news does happen, break with yeah. AD, we'll, we'll try and um, uh, fit a quick pot in at some stage. Um, but we've got to try and keep them a little bit shorter and sharper these days. Uh, now that you're back into the workforce full time, and to be honest, <laughs> I've been quite busy myself. Um, I understand, man. As well. So, all right, mate, we'll leave it there. We'll we'll try and talk again next week. And uh, as I said, we'll touch on some of the other areas. I know you're dying to talk about James Harden's season because you're Well, I'd love to talk about MVP. And uh, <laughs> look, we probably should talk a little bit All-Star game and that could start to raise our East versus West conversation when you start looking at the All-Star lineups and go, oh, God. Yeah, I think you'll, Do I you'll really very have to pick 12 come, players from the East? Yeah, you'll yeah. <laughs> very quickly come to me about the uh, abandoning yeah. of conferences once you see those All-Star Oh, God, I know. <laughs> it's like I'm going like, oh, my God, Chris Middleton's going to make it and, uh, you know, Drew Holiday isn't. <laughs> yeah, right? that's right. It's a travesty. But uh, yeah, good stuff, Daz. All right, thanks okay, for mate. the good, to talk, good episode 70, pal. All right, Talk mate. to you soon. Bye. Bye, buddy.